again guys welcome to the crash chords podcast um crash the podcast crash the podcast, <laughs> crash <Seriously>. the podcast. <laughs> you're always gonna go back to that the only theme the truest theme no well, i love there that. is no other yeah obviously uh, i was actually listening to a podcast interview with dr dementor today and thought of you because they brought up um they're coming to take me away ha ha they're coming to take see me away. i told you that never leaves me it's yeah. always with me it's, it's like, like your ball. fault john your fault it's like a party of you uh, part of me will always be with you. I I don't know how to take that. You shouldn't take it well at all. Anyway, <laughs> I should be terrified. Um, so uh, so um, this week I've been doing some extra leg work to try and get us some more guests on the podcast, which we have some coming up, um, as well as uh, who's coming up in a few weeks? Uh, Hazel Honeysuckle. She's a burlesque performer from Wasabasco. She's also been in the uh, the TV show featured on Netflix, House of Cards. I found really? out recently. Yes, I know was, that. Yeah. Speaking of TV shows, bit part, major part, uh, the star, kind of a bit part. She has credit. She gets credited. Pretty no, cool. you know, you know what I saw today. What? I didn't actually get to see it, but Battlestar Blood and Chrome made I, the leap onto television. I had heard about it's it. It's official. Yeah. It's not a web series anymore. Yeah. I yeah. It's, a, it. it's full. They did the entire web series as one major episode. It was like three hours long. Yeah, I'd heard about. You know, it. I first saw that. I thought it was a movie about Google Chrome. <laughs> well. <laughs> Wow. Um, I use Google Chrome. And we'll bring it back to the reason we're here. No, it had. I, I've always liked the Battlestar music. It was always. Yeah, a little, actually, that always has been pretty solid. And uh, uh, I've been making a mix CD, not a mix CD, a mix playlist of various themes from television shows. Yeah. And movies and things like that. Like the overarching thing. Eventually, theme. I'll be able to get back to what I was saying. Well, see, there's no cares. point in whis- whispering <laughs> if you're going to be quiet. It, that's <laughs> a little creepy. No, that's on What is the audience supposed to do? Lean into one ear? Oh, wait. I want to hear what Matt's saying. We can't do the panning We're back not and stereo. Forth. Surprise, surprise. No, I can't pan back and forth we, yet. Not yet. Um, one of these days. The panning was just... Oh, uh, what's it called? Wow. Okay, I'm going to go back to what Everyone loses saying. every train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yes, we're having Hazel Honeysuckle on. Oh, Eureka. That was the other one. Ah, Eureka. Another one I love the theme for. Eureka does have a good theme. theme. I agree. Uh, Hazel Honeysuckle will be our guest in two weeks. She is bringing a record to, to, to review, though I don't remember it off the top of my head. And, and then, it's a surprise for the other of us. And then I believe it's the second week of Mar- uh, March, March 11th, um, Joe Rude um, of... Kings of Karaoke will be here to talk karaoke. And he was actually, we were there last night. Yeah. Uh, he's great. I love his music. He's got, he's got a good charisma on it's stage. Not, it's not Talking really, about what, the art of karaoke? It's not The karaoke. art of getting drunk? It's, and no, it's not even about it's that. It's shit-faced. <laughs> it's nerdy-oke. Yeah. Because it's not like standard karaoke. This is definitely one of the more relaxed types of karaoke. It's a very judge-free too. zone. Hmm. Um, and and they pride themselves on that. Like, they and it's make very it hipster. Point. I will say that. Uh, no, because nobody does it ironically. Well, some people do it ironically, but not a lot of hipsters people. I'd don't rather really... see it done ironically, to be no, honest. No, but hipsters don't... See, the thing is... They don't do things ironically. No, they take it very seriously. No, hipsters... hipsters? Yes. No. Bull. Wrong. Bull. No. You're wrong. You're wrong. Hipsters enjoy things ironically. They don't actually like a thing. They like how stupid a thing is. They like the irony. 
but they seriously like the irony. That's not what you said a minute ago, though. No, no, no. They are ironic very seriously. I guess. Oh, can we get off of hipsters? I hate hipsters. Anyway, so we have guests coming up in the coming weeks. As a culture, they hurt my feelings. Hipsters sometimes have good music taste. I'll put that out there. (laughs) Matt's getting pissed. Matt had something he wanted to say. Yes, Go shocking. ahead, Matt. <laughs> uh, we have guests coming in the coming weeks as well as I'm working on an article uh, featuring Kirby Crackle. It's going to be an uh, interview, a text interview on the website, probably uh, through an email exchange because they, li- I believe, live on the West Coast. And then hopefully when the technology is available to us or when we actually know how to use it, whichever comes first, we will feature Kirby Crackle on the podcast using some form of digital media to dial them in if tosh.0 can use skype on national television we should be able to figure it out i'm sure we'll be all right um, um know what i've been working on what can we, we talk should about just a turn bit? this into our own tosh.0 our own <laughs> just for music take clips of music no i'm like, not real. that racist um i mean i could Damn. be but only ironically <laughs> like a hipster uh it always comes back yes that's the topic of the day no uh, I've been working on, we talked about it before, I was working on trying to integrate music into my reading because I'm an avid book reader and uh, not only am I an avid book reader, I'm an avid rereader over and over and over and over and over again. Some books I've read more than two, three dozen times, That much. that's how much I love them and it's hard to find something new. Um, so I'm trying to integrate music into that because I like silence, but I think I might like music while reading. That's but, the thing, I was, we were talking about this before, and I think it's really appropriate for stuff that you've read already. Because, you know, things that you've seen a billion times, uh, read a billion times, you're, you want something else. You want to just, like, I don't know, put a, put a DS in your hands or something like that. Hey, why not well, have, have some music while you're reading? It's just something to sort of take your mind off it and let your, your experience be a little bit more enjoyable. But new stuff, I wouldn't do it. New stuff, it, I think, it would distract you and take away from what the writer well, intended. I think that it's definitely a valid thing to look into. I mean, it makes sense. I know that, considering I rarely can listen to music passively, depending on the music, obviously, but most of the time I'm a very active music listener, it would distract me, I think. My brain would be too divided trying to read so and listen. Music or book, don't yeah. know which. Pretty much. But um, I've actually been curious about the repetitive tasks in... Video games, you know, a lot of the more online multiplayer, online co-op games, where you're just kind of grinding through to get specific items, not really paying attention. I, I might benefit from listening to music while yeah. playing. Competitively, I've found it always to be a little distracting because I get way too intense when trying to shoot somebody in the head <laughs> with fake bullets. But uh, for like racing games, sports games, I've always enjoyed having music in the background. You need that little bit. Because otherwise... Well, a lot of those games is always featured in-game music. Yeah, that's the, the thing. Background. The game provides that for you, so yeah. why... You need... uh, well, no, I actually... Well, there, are, my... there are actually some games out there that um, have kind of just, like, one theme that just repeats over and over and over. Yeah. First of all, I hate games like that, but if it exists, I totally replace the soundtrack. Hey, I will school. actually go in there and replace the file with my own file. <laughs> I've school, done this to old DOS games. Old school uh, Need for Speed. Was like that. Yeah. And I always had headphones on when I was playing it on my old, like, PlayStation. Actually, yeah. Old school Need, Need for Speed 3 was, was one of my favorites. Um, why? I don't know. Maybe it's because the only one I had. But. I mean, that's why, that's why <laughs> racing games... Part of it. Now, yeah. That's why racing games nowadays have the skip feature. So you can 
quote unquote change the radio station while yeah, you're yeah. racing. Uh, well, yeah, also yeah, like yeah, yeah. Tony Hawk very much featured an actual listing of popular songs that would play in the background. Actually, a little known fact: the original Street Skater, which was a game before Tony Hawk doubled as a music CD mm. and I was able to get my first Started tracks of Less Than Jake from that CD. So did the original Twisted Metal. Yes. You could play the music as an audio CD. That's how little work was putting in put into these games. games. They You can actually have a music CD and a full video game on one disc. Wow. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. I've been, uh, I've been going over the pinback discography oh. as per last week. But... It's been a good thing because it made me realize that the last week's album really, really was a, a, a downturn. I was looking back and I was like, no, seriously, Information Retrieved was more production, less composition. There are actually some songs in that album that I actually hate. Request, Denslow, You Idiot, I'm not even so sure about Sherman. I, it, it just lost sight of what distinguished them. I realized it actually has little to do with their tone and more of their arrangement, the quirks. The stuff that would catch you by surprise. This was lacking in just about every single track except Diminish. So basically, what we got on that album was Pinback Light, and I'm not happy. I'm going to refute you on Sherman. I thought Sherman was much better than you give it credit I for. Not, that's the one I was a little bit on the fence with. A little I, I think that... You were... No, wait, wait, wait. Let me... I have one more thing to add. You were complaining about the complexity and you wanted them to go more complicated. Now you're saying that the lighter stuff, no, no, the no. lesser complication. The thin or, down, the thin, the stripped down pinback. It's different than composition. Yeah. Composition is the way, the long form, not the moment by moment basis. If you happen to only hear a bass, a guitar, and a drum, that shouldn't deter you from the stuff they can do. This will actually come up later when we talk about intelligence and creativity in music. Preview. Spoiler. Um, but I think this... <laughs> This still really harkens to what I had said on the last podcast. I think you part of your disappointment with that record is a direct effect, which you're pretty much saying, of your expectations based on their previous oh, I, I, I do not deny that one which, iota. Which, for me, I really enjoyed that record because I had no previous expectations. That's the thing. We always judge on the moment, right? right. That's one little, little flaw in our system here. Sometimes you have to remark on stuff about whether it grows on you oh, or not. Of course, I'm, and if something actually, gets stale really, really quickly, that's not going to speak to its holding power. Right, okay. but I think that we've touched on that when we've gone back at our year in special and talked about albums that we gave second and third listens, and they, we actually might have changed the rating if we could. This the rating system is very much based on first impressions, but I agree, it's good to go back and review, and I think we should that's do that more often and, and talk and about. I'll it. still, I'll still that's attest. The only reason I'm uh, mentioning it, I'll still attest that. Like, how I feel about Enema of the State from Blink and how I feel about the Blue and Green album from Weezer, which I know were severely deficient in quality by comparison to the band's later pieces. Um, I like them better because they were the first things I heard. They were... You're new. They were your... They popped your no, but cherry. But as I was just saying, that's not that's not what it was. I listened to an album that I barely remembered, and I was still getting stuff out of it. That's fair. If he's saying that, but also I think I think it's a good point that listening to something for the first time and it being one of the newer things versus listening to something for the first time and it being one of the older things does that really influence your taste of the band? Because it could. It yeah, really could. No, it most certainly can. And and I think. Like, it's possible you could have been a completely different Pinback fan if you had listened to it for the first time with us. It, I mean, it could change your opinion of them completely. Yes, I, no. I've, I've mentioned that same exact thing to you before, you know, regarding uh, Green Day and a couple of other things. 
Eve 6 also. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, Eve 6. Eve 6, especially Eve 6. So it's interesting to hear you taking this side of the right, story. Right, but also with Eve 6, I feel that their newer work was still fairly similar to their older work where you're saying pinbacks new stuff. No, I'm really not different. saying night and day. I'm just saying it, it's, it's, it's a little it factor. A little, a little, oh, yeah, a little degree of depth. Emotional absolutely. depth that was lost. Perhaps just because they're getting older and they're not in the, the prime of their angsts. And I... I use the term angst loosely. I, I will agree. I definitely will agree with that, and I can see it. I yeah. think that our fandom, as, as is popular in meme culture as a terminology, our fandom of a band can really influence our overall decision on them, even if we don't want it to. Sometimes it's hard to compartmentalize that. Yeah. I think that's very apparent. At some point, I do want to get back to our discussion on discographies as a whole. Like Absolutely. the long-form, really long-form idea of uh, where a band, where an artist is headed in their lifetime. Because some people bloom late, and then others, you know, just wither away and die by the time they're 20, and that's and it. All, their, be all their best stuff is gone. Right, and some bands continue to grow and grow. I mean, like, tying it back to our album for today, I feel that the artist that we reviewed today, this is his best work yet. I for see. specific reasons. Ah, yes. Okay, so today. Our, our choice uh, uh, album review this week is my choice. It's Robbie Williams. And the album is called Take the Crown. Uh, Robbie Williams is a very famous British pop star. Um, he's had many records, I think five or six. Information like that would be good to check in advance. I think it's five. I think uh, I remember yeah, seeing five. five. Yeah, I think it's a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Heard it somewhere. Read it and the I'm the contrary one. I'm the one everybody says is contrary. You're both contrary. <laughs> I'm the one who likes to pick fun. But Robbie Williams, I've always been a very big fan of because he's kind of both in life and as evident in a lot of his work. He's he gets the joke that can be pop music, but he still takes it very his own work very seriously, even though he does it in a very tongue-in-cheek way. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of the big question today. Is that I I I, I feel like I could take this album with a grain of salt. I think it's very good for pop music. But, as I said earlier, this album, if it was a joke album, if it was in the humor, variety, genre, whatever you want to say, this would be brilliant. Really, really, honestly, brilliant. And the fact that it's not there is almost confusing to me. He should be there. And maybe it's the fact that no one would get the joke and that all the real pop stars out there would be like, what, are you insulting my work? You insulting what I do? And because he is. He, is. he, really he totally is. is. But I think also a big part of it is I don't think the only reason I don't think it belongs in the humor is because I think the joke is funnier to people who are fans of this music or fans of all types of music. See, I, I'm I, not so sure about that. The less informed, the shallow fans in any genre. If this was done in in punk, punk fans are not going to get it. All the time. If right. this was done in classic rock style, say Floyd made an honest yeah. to goodness joke album. I think making they, they would just interpret the it. They just they wouldn't get the joke. They this, would interpret it as as an element of the genre, and that's it. Just another one to come along. I feel like a lot of pop fans are just going to find this fun and not really understand some of the underlying currents in this album. Yeah, but, but we'll get to specific examples in the album. Uh, to start it off with, Be a Boy. This was a great standard introduction. It, it had very predictable uh, builds in the, in the, in the music. Except for one thing. It had sax. sax. It had a dash of jazz. It was... 
Now here's the. It's problem. the kind of thing you don't expect on the first track of a pop album. That's that's the real. Uh, Not just jazz, also some grab. piano. Yes, and some, a little and, bit of that and too. An interesting bass. It wasn't standard pop. It was standard forms with more interesting instruments in it, a more interesting tone than what you normally get. Uh, my biggest problem yeah. was I I just glossed over the lyrics completely because it started looping a little too much on me. And that's the thing; it needed a little bit more of what it of what it uh, alluded to. It it I'm introduced to a sax. I got a few seconds of a sax solo that should have gone on. That should have. I can't say how many times I'm running into this problem on, on albums that we do, where they just drop, put a drop of something. It's like, ooh, this is different. And then they just leave us with that for like maybe 10 seconds total. And that's all we get. And then it doesn't come back. Well, I think that with this this track also, I agree. The sax intro was nice, unexpected, but there definitely wasn't enough of it. But I also know, considering we read off the list of instruments Robbie Williams does play in, there are quite a few. He's very talented instrumentally. I think that was accurate. Um, he doesn't play sax. He doesn't play. He doesn't play sax. So it was someone else. So he might have sampled it. He might have plucked it from somewhere oh. else, and he's done that before. That's not. Yeah, I'm not disputing that. So, of course, they do have the final decision as to how much they're going to sample. Right, and but, that's a that's a good point. This this album, and especially this song, has a lot of sampling. Yes. Yeah. That's something I got to bring up. But that's the thing. When you're sampling, a, when you're sampling a saxophone, you're sampling something that's going to catch everybody off guard. But it might Why not... would you sample that? Why wouldn't you but just the, bring but on But I don't sax? know for a fact that that was sampled. That might have just been he brought in someone to play saxophone on his record. Then why not let him go on? That's the thing. If you make these choices, you know, you, right. you got to go full force. No, I'm not disagreeing that, that the choice was strange, but it did get our attention. And overall, it was Unless... And let's go back to the theme here, which we're going to go around to a lot with these tracks, unless he's doing it as part of the big joke. Right. Is that pop music does this all the time. Yeah. It's like, ooh, let's throw in a little bit of depth, right? And they think they're being so, Chimes. you know. Chimes. Yeah. A gong. <laughs> a xylophone. <laughs> a gong. A dog barking. I mean, it's some random things at times. Yeah, that's the thing. And then it's an attempt to be super artistic about it. But what you really have is just a very simplistic sampling. And, man, when he brought in that saxophone, it was the most unexpected thing. It, it was over the most common intro chord I've ever heard. Typical synth. I kind of sidetracked myself just a minute ago, but you mentioning dogs barking brought me to the Baja Men, which brought me to Who Let Dogs Out, which made me think... We... Wow. Yeah, I know. I pulled that one out of thin air. Yeah. Uh, uh, Where is your man? <laughs> okay, my brief tangent is, I think that we in the future episode, we should definitely... Take a band that was clearly a one-hit wonder and see if they have any new records out and review one of those records. Like a, the O'Neaters. Right. That is but the like joke. the Baja Men, Chumbawamba, who are actually a lot more popular overseas. You know, one of these one-hit wonders that people swear only had the one hit, mm. some of them do continue to make records and have a True, fairly successful it, career. It's just a matter of how an audience that Aerosmith. doesn't choose to follow them. Aerosmith has made the same song for I don't know how many years now. But they're not a one-hit wonder because all of those songs were hits. No, but it's really one long song. Anyway, it is a long song. It's all but parts like yes. It's but, but my point yeah. is, I think it would be interesting to. If That's an I, idea. If if the, these bands, you can be, choose the album. I'll look into that. I got a couple I want to do. So you, you know, can I can imagine it. the audience. You know, this audience out there as. Imagine our to-do list being beside us that is towering over our heads of things. Oh, no, be quiet. You write everything down on the computer. Anyway, getting back to it's the album. It's a digital to-do list. Getting back to the album. Yeah, I was I was unimpressed by uh, Be A Boy, but... I thought it was still a solid intro track as far as the yeah, track it goes. Yeah, no, no, it reels you in as a pop track. Track. But yeah, it's a very forgettable pop track. 
what uh, track two gospel gospel creeped me out and not because of the song but do 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 steve was singing along to the tones from the get-go and it was he was spot on it was so whoa whoa overdone so predictable that's the thing. It's that chord. I mean, well, it doesn't help that Vanilla Ice had already taken that from Queen. <laughs> yeah. So now other people took it from Vanilla Ice, and now he's taking it from Because now it's fair game. But the, yeah, of course, it's uh, public domain now. The only thing that is public domain since the 20s. <laughs> but as far as this track was... Like, again, if it's a joke, then that's that's kind of the punchline in many yeah. ways. That's The funny thing is that those notes that I just sang I just, are I... not there, but anyone can imagine them to be. It works. I just really find it hard, and I know you keep going, if it's the joke, based on what I've shown you guys of the type of person Robbie Williams is, and me knowing his past work, I really find it hard to believe for this record to not be a joke. I, I really find it hard to believe that he's... He... Well, I'm inclined to believe it's case by case. That's That's, that's what I personally think. Of that's course fair. some things here are, are blatantly obvious that they're a yeah. joke, but some things he just doesn't go far enough with it. And, yeah, it's you know, like... That I'm left with the bare bones pop music, right. and, and then I don't know what to think. Gospel, gospel actually is a good uh, example of this because it was very standard, very predictable. It was sweet in its own way. Um, he went, he had some great, nice, savvy lyrics in it, and there was an uh, an honesty in his singing that really kind of matched up with his, those lyrics very well. His lyrics are never are are rarely complicated, but are almost always savvy. Not all the time, but he's got a good chunk of savvy lyrics. Yeah. And no, uh, and I mean that was even What more. was the line you were quoting? Uh, uh, from from the uh, oh, chorus. Well, it wasn't in gospel. It was in Candy that I quoted. Okay. Candy Candy, which was the big single of the record. We've talked about it on air before. And I really didn't like it till now. Until now. Because didn't like it with was, the video. I I I just couldn't get over the video. Well, while the... I, as a Robbie Williams fan, appreciate the joke he's doing and can still pull in the, the song to its fullest extent, John, who hadn't really seen him before, was kind of distracted by it. But the video for this, which I posted on the website, is essentially Robbie Williams plays this kind of twisted guardian angel and he's following this uh, hot-to-trot woman around the city, constantly getting killed over and over again, hit by cars, through going through windows, all this the, stuff. The lyrics are great. They're about everything that men find wrong with women. The but lengths done, that we go to, even stupidly. Yeah. And, and it's it's done in the most, in an extremely comical way. It's great that way. And, and one of those... But something, I have to say, something I completely glossed over in the video, which is actually in the song, is the horns and the strings. I could not hear them with that yeah, video that's going. The thing with, with, the with music videos. As far as I'm concerned, this is just my own personal view. I think everyone should listen to the track before they watch a music video. I agree 100%. It's just a personal opinion. I believe... Why did you show us the video first? Messed up. Cause I, no, because I had heard the song already. Oh, thanks. That's true. Well, for, 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 <laughs> for, for me, the, the thing is, I agree. I think that video music videos, while they still have their place on YouTube for now anyway, um, definitely should be an accompaniment to the song, not the way you're exposed to the song. It's not even an accompaniment. It's a supplement. Yeah. That, an, after, an afterthought in many ways. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of thing you do just to sort of bring out elements of the music that you're already familiar with. Right. But we can't deny that when we see, watch, uh, hear something the first time, it, it's it's our senses are going to 
favor one over the other. Right. And that does cloud you from well, the, right. the well, nuances, the, well, which in this case, of this, it really is up, a great song. Yeah, well, and a good example of this is something we've brought up a bunch of times with Muse, Knights of Sidonia. We picture that video, video before we ever saw the video. video. Yeah. 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 So, but, but Candy is one of those songs that I like because these lyrics are, aren't complicated, but they're clever. And, you know, um, one of the lyrics in the chorus is she's got a hurricane in the back of her throat, which is clearly suggestive but not overtly dirty. I think you're yeah. I think you're misinterpreting it because it's more like she spews so much suffering upon the world through her voice. Uh, I and not the other dirty way that you're actually thinking about. I think it's both. I'm pretty confident. The awkward pause too. after spews was yes, just I know. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, the strings and the horns really brought it together for yeah. me. That added a whole new layer to it and I thoroughly love the, that I, work. Let's talk about strings... Please. Okay. Please. Yes. <laughs> Good guy. The str- I mean, I haven't heard strings used this way since the 70s. And this is one of the... Well, because, you know, I was around the 70s. But seriously, the, back then, they had this little habit of whenever... When funk was a, was a, the big thing at yeah. the time, at first, it would be just, you know, a small little jam band kind of bring it to fruition. And then it got a little bit bigger. And they brought in uh, people like Gene Page brought in this, like, he did a lot of soundtracks for what we now know of as black exploitation films. And he brought in these swooping string orchestras to accompany this basic funk band. Yeah. And they had this style of playing that was so unique, just like constant tremolo, always like hovering over the melody up and down. It was beautiful. And I heard it here. Yeah. I heard it. It came wait, back. Wait, full force in wait. a pop setting. Word of the week, tremolo? Tremolo. What does that mean? Strings. Very, very fast bowing. Very, very fast. Like Oh, okay. Yeah. Frantic almost. Yes. Okay. The yes. thing that I But like... it, it creates an eerie sensation when you just have one note, a whole orchestra doing that at once is absolutely gorgeous. The thing I like about Candy the most is that and this is where I will uh, um concede to Steve's point, there was nothing I mean, there was cleverness in the lyrics, but otherwise Candy was a fairly standard pop song, but that was done... Not fairly standard pop song. What I mean is, he this wasn't a joke. The song wasn't a joke. This song was, here's an awesome pop song. This is what pop songs oh, should and be. And this is the one where it worked. It yeah. worked really, really well. I could see this on yeah. any uh, any dance floor. I mean, he laid down this is going to grab anybody. Yeah. He laid down a standard beat, but he did not leave it standard. He Correct. really integrated some unusual ideas. Even when there was no string tremolo, they were really percussive at times. Yeah. It, it enhanced the melody. It enhanced the beat in the background, the drama. Everything was and, just and, working so well in this track. And, and honestly, the, the, the thing about the video for me is, well, I, I find that Robbie Williams is very charismatic. He's, he's clearly very aware that he's kind of a gag. To a point, you know, and he knows as far as pop star goes that he's a bit as of a joke. As far as the video is concerned, yeah, yeah. but as far as the music? But no, no, in this I'm case... just talking about the video now. But when I hear the song, and there's this certain way that Rob Williams carries himself in this video, this kind of dancing that he's doing, I picture it in my head, and I, like, it very much embodies this kind of boppy kind of beat that's What you're describing is a guy, not necessarily a musician, but a guy who's being himself yes. in his work. Yes. Which can never be a bad thing necessarily, but sometimes it does get a little confusing as to what yes. the point is. Yeah. Um, because hands down, I think this is probably still one of the best tracks on the album. I and agree. that's rare for me to say that it is the single. Yeah. Because usually the single is like, ah, yeah, that's the kind Something of Something to draw them in. Throw away, yeah, that's for the masses. But it, it's <laughs> this was done with such care. I mean, I there's no say, overlooking it. I have to say, though, honestly, and we'll get to it soon because it's only a couple tracks away. 
I don't know if it's the it's definitely the best for just being a great song, but being the best on the album, period. We're gonna have a, def- a couple different ways. Well, to well, I'm gonna best. compare it yeah. against against some others. Let's but, move on here to yes. the next track here. Okay, different was different. Different, yes. yeah. It very much I was named for his name. I found it to be a little bit of a downturn. I found it to be inventive for pop, but as generic. Eh. And I really, really got I'm, tired of the lyrics quick. Really got tired of the lyrics. It's interesting that you'd say that here. Well, not so much for the lyrics, but at least as far as a downturn on the album, I'm I surprised disagree. that you'd say that at this point. I disagree that it's a downturn. This kept a lot of the... Ele- this. I mean, it followed up Candy really, really well. And See, I, because it kept a lot of themes going. You, they had the strings doing the same thing. And, and I think uh, that you, the melody you also, was just as powerful. You were also out of the room for the first 30 seconds to 45 seconds. No. Not yeah. Oh, you I, just I, called I, him out on air. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. It wasn't you, in the very beginning. It was oh, during it was the, the chunk middle, in, the chunk middle. in the middle. It's a small apartment, though. You know, he can hear I heard it but what I'm saying very is well. I think that you missed part of it because I think you're claiming that there's stuff that was repetitive and not well done that I just didn't hear. I thought that the violins no, we still weren't got, really repetitive we still got, at all. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. I, I already said inventive for pop. Alright? I'm, I'm making that. But it still has Robbie's, you know, flair to it. I just found it to be a little bit of a letdown. I'm not sure you heard the same song. Yeah, as us. no, I did not because I don't. Because I just this didn't was the hear that this was the down. least pop. I mean, I could name several other tracks in this album that are very, very much so pop and undeniably so. And the downturn does come for me a bit later, but at this point, I thought it had everything going that made makes Robbie Williams unique. This is exactly what I'd expect to follow up a single. It, t- it it's more it's more expansive than Candy, but it uses similar elements. This is what I got here. He brought in folk. He had this little distorted guitar that took over the same effect that the strings did. This is one of the few songs that I can actually say was pretty well composed. Even if it is layered and looped and whatever you want to say about it, the effect is that of composition. True composition. This is what I heard. Here. I didn't hear all of that. <laughs> I am kind of... In, no, I'll concede. I'm kind of in I'll concede. Po- I, did only, I only missed 30 seconds of it, really. Um, but, uh, you know what? I'll concede... I'm probably wrong on this if you're both ganging up on me and Steve's using the word composed for this song. I gotta hand it to him. If he's gonna say that, okay. I, I'm inclined. I'm gonna battle his wisdom on this one. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree with Steve. I thought this this was also the beginning of the really awesome outro that Robbie Williams has clearly mastered on this record as yeah, well. I did as, like that. Like, because yes. this is where it was first most prevalent. And I also really, even though the lyrics, I'll agree the lyrics weren't complicated, but his lyrics typically aren't complicated. But I still I think felt the, the, something. The from effort that. went to the music here, and the yeah. tone struck me as as one of the deepest uh, tracks on the album. Actually, yeah. His outros are not always awesome. They're different, and they yes. c- they can be really divorced from the song itself. Mm. Um. Okay, that I'll agree with. That I'll agree with. And and, and, and in that case. It's a good it's way silly. to actually they're, divide they're, the songs. I will say that. It but, gives a little bit of division. But still, though, what you're talking about is a very, very minor point. I mean, oh, as yes. far as the outros go, it's not really speaking to and, the major content of the song. Yes. In, if anything, this is where he's showing his humor. Because a lot of pop songs do do that. Hey, silly little uh, insert art here at the end. But I also it's like silly. that. I still like at the outros, though, that he's doing something different. It's Instead of just ending or fading out, it's something else. And I like that and appreciate it. 
Especially considering. Not true. Uh, I mean, I'm, he I am appreciates at a point, it. You appreciate it. He probably does. <laughs> yeah. But now we get to what might be the only track that might decrown candy for me, which is shit on the radio. Oh God! So first shit of all, on the radio. first of all, I love that because it's a it's a record that was released in Britain. It's not S H asterisk T on the radio. It's shit on the radio. Okay, this track is drop dead brilliant. So I'm not going to quite wait. say that it's my favorite track in the album, but it is so brilliant. Let me just preface it really quickly before you continue. All right. So remember, I wait with bated breath. <laughs> so when we As review, they are. how do you bait breath? Shut up! Shut up! Don't, qu- don't question history. In with a worm. Just... No. Yeah. Anyway, that's stupid. <laughs> continue. <laughs> when we reviewed the Matchbox Twenty record. They had a song Fish called Radio. Breathe. They had a song called Radio. That was very much, me and John noticed, kind of uh, an evolution of radio, the sound of radio over the years. You know, hitting certain chords and themes that was very prevalent in American radio. And then there was reality TV from Serge Tankian, which he kind of borrowed themes from reality shows to make fun of them. Yes. So we've had a little bit of our share of satire in our music. This wasn't a little bit of satire. This is frying pan made of satire in the face. Yes, I agreed. And so many people are not going to get it. Uh, no. Yeah, so, that's the shame of it. So the song, this, this, let me just... Ex- that's the thing. Let me, this is where we challenge you from the beginning of this whole review. I don't think anyone will get that. Well, anyone. I, I know. Anybody, anybody with a sound mind and an idea of... of see, but I think... Of satire period will okay. get this. So I the think pop that, audience won't. But I think the... But I don't know that this was necessarily made... It was... Okay, I'll, I'll explain. But let me just read my description of this song. A cavalcade of pop cliches that are so incredibly self-aware. Was there a dictionary over there? What? This, Calvin, is, this is not what? you. I don't What's know you. cavalcade? <laughs> Actually, I know cavalcade from Seth MacFarlane, of all places. Because he used to do a cavalcade of comedy on YouTube where he would just make short little sketches. That's not def- defining it. I'm assuming it's uh, a conglomerate. Yes. Seth MacFarlane dropping big words on us and letting us look them up just because he wanted to. Just because he, he learned Can it Can we just go day. back to what I'm... Shallow and pedantic. Pretty much cavalcade. Ca- Shallow and pedantic. A cavalcade is a collection or a gathering or a, a combination of, multi- of a multitude of things. Okay, let me just say something. If you start pulling out the random words that nobody knows except for you... And I have to start asking you all your definitions. I'm going to start getting... Should I have upset. used plethora instead? Would how about, how about amalgamation? Conglomeration? So many words. I love those words. Good words. Nobody uses them. Well, I'm glad I used the word that you guys were questioning me on. That no, this was... Your but, definition but is perfect. Nail on the head. <laughs> this is cliche starting in the early 80s to modern day of... In the lyrics. Your, in, the, in, the, in the sound. The radio. Of the, the synth. Of of Z one hundred, yeah. Like this you guys was, just bled back to the topic there, but yeah, seriously, this is incredible. This track. This was. There's no other way. Just listen to it. That's Pick a soundbite. Pick any soundbite that you have heard from thirty years of pop music, and he used it. Yeah, he, he started it. with White Snake and went to Jackson to freaking Timberlake. I mean, it, it was everything. We're talking like trance tone synth right here that he would just use a couple of beats of just just to just to use that part just to of, say of yeah pop. just to say oh yeah here's you two here's here's uh michael jackson here's the backstreet boys like just to throw it in there and say hey these are all the pop guys i'm, I'm inclined to think that it's not so much uh the big ones like you're mentioning i'm inclined to think it's a little bit more like the uh I'm not saying specifically them, but I'm saying like he, 
trying to think of an example. I don't think I can think of an example because it, it's exactly like that. It's shit on the radio. Not yeah. the stuff that was actually really, really... The bad top 40. Yeah. Yes, the bad top 40. You didn't mention bad top 40 yeah. right there. You weren't mentioning you know, stuff that hey, still holds up. Even Jackson didn't make every song awesome. I mean... Almost every song, yeah, but not still every talking song. About Jackson here, yeah, and we've already discussed previously how I still stay, stand behind the fact that Thriller is one of the best pop records ever made. Period. Okay, but we well, can discuss that about that. But it's Michael Jackson; it's part of it. But, but point I, is, this is shit on the radio. It's in the title. You don't have right. to read too much into it, and you can hear it in the sound bites. This is the stuff that has been tried and true, but also tired. And he reinvented it, and that. Is where it truly gets great. This he song, didn't, he didn't reinvent it. He no, made a montage. Yeah. He sat down with a scrapbook and and slapped it all together in a way that is actually looks really. He made a collage. It's it's beautiful. That's what's here. Maybe it's one of the more creepy letters that serial killers leave by cutting everything out of there. Like it's ooh, almost like ooh, that. Ooh, I it's didn't want to cre- hear. I don't want to see it that way. But it, it kind <laughs> it's of is. a creepy ransom letter to pop, crappy pop music. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that, that that sums it up. But, and, no, my but, metaphor worked. But I want to make a point. We helped you get there. Uh, Admit it. <laughs> yes. Steve brought up that he doesn't think that the 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 standard pop audience is going to get the joke. But I think that's the beauty of this record. I think that he sits up there on his, uh, his I, throne, I think, looking down at the peons. No, 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 no. Let me finish my train of thought. <laughs> nah. Not happening. <laughs> I think that Robbie Williams is very self-aware, and I think he's making it for both audiences. He's making it for the pop audience to just devour and not think about it, and he's also making it for the music fans who will get the joke and move forward with it. I want to see the critics' um, take on this. I really want to see like, like uh, Rolling Stones. Whether it works, they, they did this. But, but whether it works out that way or not, I think yeah, that it's, it's really, probably going to be off, like really off. <laughs> but I think that's his intention. I think he's making it for both audiences, and honestly, if that was his intention. I think he really hit it. Well, that is the strong point here, is that I repeatedly speak, and I did say this, but Serge Tankin, I speak about bands, artists that can merge the two things together, try and actually do something about the the gap that exists between uh, the active listeners and the passive listeners, the people who just accept the top 40 as the be-all, end-all of music, and that's all there's going to be, and it's all they care to hear, and they're bringing them over bringing them over to the, all the other possibilities that exist in the world. And I thoroughly accept that Robbie Williams is doing that, not just in this track, but on this album as a whole. Um, it's a matter of... Ah, it's tricky to say, because this this is the most brilliant track as far as theme, and idea. And it's almost smack dab right in the middle, too. Yeah, true. But I'm not so sure it's the best track on the album, just because it, it's kind of... This is the extreme of the joke. Okay. I wanted more joke. I wanted, I think I wanted this to be a humor album. I really did. Okay, I think that it's not... It may not be the best track on the album. I think it's one of the most entertaining tracks on the album. Agreed. I agree uh, with that. Um, we laughed during the entire even, thing. We did. Yes, that's true. As far as ent- comedy... There's only one other track comedy. later on that might be more entertaining just because of how ridiculous it was. And we'll get there. But I think this might it might mm. be safer to say that this is one of the more entertaining tracks on the record. Right. Well, Moving unfortunately, on, we have to, I have to draw a line right here because after this, I thought the album really took a dive. This is, this is my big turning point. Because after that track... I just, I just wanted more comedy. I wanted more of this unique sense of humor that his little, his take on pop, and what we get, all that I want. 
It's a U2 track. That's it. Mm. Billy Idol. Biddle, it was more eh. Billy Idol-ish. They get into the more U2 sound in the next couple tracks, but this was a very... I heard it here, and I heard it there. And it was really... I got my, my fill of U2 here. It was really, really Well, to be tired. fair, I'll... Yeah. Yeah. That's it was the very best way. All, all I want... And by no means, I think we can say this up front, were any of these tracks bad, but they were just missing that extra something that the other tracks had. That's it started getting everybody, formulaic. Everybody loves early U2. Nobody doubts that early U2 was pretty good music, I think. It was okay, yeah. I, mean, I, I doubt only because I hate them. Well, yeah, me that's too. That's personal preference <laughs> bleeding into taste for music. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's why I suffer. No, I, no, I honestly think that the, the, the negativity that surrounds U2 is because of the people that have tried to copy U2, and also because U2 is no longer U2. Uh, and hasn't been for years. Well, I think also with U2, the, the, the common misconception is that they were a rock and roll band like um, Rolling Stones and and and, um, and Aerosmith was. And they're not. No, they were no, all that's true. rock. No, not even. They're in a, pop. They've been in a pop time when there was arena rock, which yeah. was in your face, you know, uh, rock pop. using a guitar as but, a phallus. Th- this was arena pop. This and and you yeah. too yeah. decided to take that and just mellow out, guys. Yeah. We're still going to play the big theater, you know, the big arenas and treat treat us with the same respect as you would ACDC Aerosmith, but everyone can just chill. It, it's it's more down to earth, I think, kind of music. And this is definitely what Robbie Williams is emulating. Yeah. And he does it. I mean, honestly, I mean the next two or three tracks are Pretty much, we're gonna have the same thing to say. I mean, no, six, we seven, really and eight. are, and that's a problem yeah, here. There's gonna be little, little gems. There's still little. I gems mean, the left. thing I liked about track seven, "Hunting for You," is that it was kind of one of those walk-on. Like melody there. It, it was a walk-on ballad. It was like you picture the band walking on the beach, singing emphatically as the sun sets. Yeah. Or you see them walking down the street. Like, that's just my issue. Singing emphatically. That's you as too. The sun sets. It is. That's you too. It's I can. All I can that. define it. Yeah. This is with or without you. Hands well, down, without in a doubt. The forest, yes, it this is. This is with or singing without emphatically you. as the sun sets. I mean, that's exactly yes, what yeah. it is. All this of was this stuff. This was. Single instrument, then two instruments, then three instruments. This yeah. was the standard slow build-up, hit crescendo, drop it back down, a little more complicated, slow build-up, big crescendo. It was... It's a likable song. You cannot dislike the song. The only bit of Robbie in Robbie Williams' individuality that I heard here was in his voice. Yeah, Because he does is... have somewhat of a signature voice. It's something about in the way that he has sort of a slow vibrato to him. It, right. it's, it's distinctive in its yes, way. absolutely. Um, but then again, even that, when, when he adds on the reverb and the, like the, the, the echo in the background, then all of a sudden we're back to U2. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's the, his pure voice and when he actually sings out his melodies that I hear Robbie Williams. And that's what I wanted more of here. Yeah. Behind that, I really do have the same exact thing to say for 6, 7, and 8. It's, it's all U2. Yeah, into not, the silence, though, I, track 8, I had like... Yeah, not Wait, 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 so wait, wait. No, you're going to hate on Into the Silence. Into the Silence was two different tracks at the same time. Your original A to B in the beginning half was very standardized, intelligent, standard format. Hard to hate, but he punctuates it with a piano most of the, uh, halfway through. This is a little guitar riff, and what does he do? He brings in the flutes. Oh, that. Yes. I nearly forgot about that. That's true. I, I uh, that's why. That's just why I for had to the tell record, it. but I it, wasn't it, gonna hate on eight. Eight of the three is my favorite. No, I was pointing at Steve. Oh, okay. Yeah. As as far as those flute tracks are concerned, I mean, Steve I threw mean, his hands up in the air when we were listening. The first flutes. 
the first half something was... Something different. I, this is the third track that I had sounded exactly the same. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, he switches it up. It was almost as... Uh, as it, take me off, it took me off guard to the same degree that the saxophone did in the very first track. It was almost like a restart. But he really? didn't. He Reboot. didn't just do it and leave it. Yeah, this he had, actually yeah, the second flutes, half of the, the no. Song. He did develop that outro yeah. quite a bit. The yeah. second half of the song was what he owned. The second half of this song. Yes. He yeah. completely changed it, and it was the same song. But that's a problem because it was divorced. It it had fine transitions, but it, it was like, why didn't he do it in the beginning? Yeah. Why didn't he actually do something unique to this very standard format? I mean, this is the same spot on an album that we get frequently, the throwaways. Yeah. We, it always comes around six, seven, eight, the the three-quarter mark. And, yeah, this is no different. But, so. I, but, I, but I, I would say that as a fan of, of pop music, the better pop music, if you're going to put throwaway tracks, because if you're writing music and you, you write these songs and you're going to follow through with them, Better to sandwich them between the better stuff than to just leave them on the end or the beginning, because then it kills those areas. It's better to have them sandwiched in the middle. No, or, th- this is the place. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that negative necessarily. I mean, right. I'm just saying that on a, on a smart album, if you have weaker tracks, this is where to put them. Yeah, oh, okay. I agree. Yes. Because you want to end high, you want to have a chunk that people keep going back to, and you want to start with something that just introduces them. Exactly. He did a great job designing this album. Quite possibly nothing could have followed shit on the radio as far as creativity yeah, is concerned. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think it was going to be a downturn regardless, and he handled it gracefully. But. Yeah. But. Nine. Hey, wow, yeah, yeah. Track nine. Oh, the I wrote, name of it is Hey, wow, yeah, yeah. I didn't write a darn thing for it because there's absolutely no way to write what this song is about. That's not true. Now he's back to the joke. Yes. This is the humor album, returning full force. Uh, maybe not quite to the extent of shit in the radio, but oh. <laughs> so it is, It's a whole it, different take it, on it, it in it many is, ways. It is to the extent of shit on the radio, and here's why. Hey, Wow, Yeah, Yeah is essentially making fun of Yeah by Usher. Or name, insert song here, B by Outcast. Lady Gaga. No, because even Outcast has a level of quality above them. Well, hey, I was done on purpose that way, and it was which was a huge pop right. song. Mm. But 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 that wasn't indicative uh, of Outcast. Yeah, that was more indicative to when they were trying some solo stuff combined together. But hey, wow, yeah, yeah, is essentially so. First of all, the song has club beats, not really much instrumentation. It's very thumping, but there are no lyrics. It's repetitive. Girls. He's repeating words. Boys. And then at one Girls. point he just starts going Ooh. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> like yeah. he, he gets it. He gets that these club tracks are vapid, empty, soulless crap. And he turned it into something that wasn't so vapid, that was quite intelligently done, quite yes. creative in parts. It sampled from so many songs, but it took it plucked here, plucked there. It's like, ooh, that sounds great. Let me put it in here. Let me expand upon it. Let me merge it with something else. It was great. I agree. Um, let's get down to breast tacks here. And I'm putting this question to Matt. Is it your contention that... How to put this? Do you consider him a humor artist? That's an interesting question. And I'll try and explain why... It can't really be answered. Okay, so first let's take clear. Oh, you're pussyfooting. No, no. Already pussyfooting. I'm not. I'm. I'm. Pussyfooting. <laughs> I speak with examples and facts. I'm not going to say, I think, I like, I believe, I'm going to give you facts. So, take 
Tenacious D. Have at me. Tenacious D, Jack Black can clearly sing within his range. Very narrow range. They both very clearly can play guitar very well. But you consider them a humor artist, right? Yes. Why? Because there is not a single track on that album that is not without its degree of tongue-in-cheek. Okay. So let's go to Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords also. You'd say the same thing, right? Absolutely the same thing. Okay. Then I don't think... It's merely a matter of a joke that has... uh, If you're going to talk about the difference from song to song, they all have a joke, but the degree of musical ingenuity varies. Okay. Some are simple because it calls for simplicity, and then some are great musical masterpieces uh, built around the joke. The joke comes first. Okay. Now I will go to um, popular in different circles, comedic artists, like Jonathan Colton, who we talked about last week. Jonathan Colton has some songs that aren't really jokes, that are just fun folk songs with nice lyrics. However, he's not always quite considered humor, but he's also not, because he has songs like that version of Baby Got Back and Shop Back and Re Your Brains, where he sings about a zombie invasion. Well, those are like his B-sides, though, in many ways, right? What? The humor Actually, songs? no, those no. are what he leads Those with. are his mainstays. But the Baby Got Back uh, His one, B-sides really? are the more original stuff. Yeah. All, I only interpreted that because that was off his um, thing a week business. Right. I figured that was no, his you know, ma- his... to be on the side. But, and also MC Fernalot. MC Fernalot clearly does songs about video games, about Voltron, about funny things. But then he, had a, he has a song called I Heart Fags, and it's him rapping about gay culture in California, and he was rapping from the perspective of the fearmongers. And it was actually a very serious song, but with a tongue-in-cheek theme. So I don't know that I would clearly say that Robbie Williams is either or. I think he's both. Why can't he be both? Why can't he be a pop humor artist? Why can't he do both? So he's a new genre unto himself. I pop we, slash humor. Humor's the wrong word. I think so too. I think irony. Clever. It's not ironic. No, there's a lot of irony in this album. Yeah. Pop irony. It's satire. Irony might be a strong word. I don't for think it. it's irony. It's satire. Thank you. Pop Much sat- better. Yes, pop satire. satire. He's satirical. We've had it before. He's at pop every, satire. At every, every song, I will say, has some, a lot of satire involved in it. So to answer but your question... But now, where's the distinction with All That I Want, Hunting For You, Into the Silence? They're in the same vein as Jonathan Colton. Jonathan Colton's more serious songs still aren't that serious. But they're clearly folky, indie-sounding songs... But like one of the lyrics is is um, the chorus is I like you in glasses and it's talking about a couple getting older together. But it's not funny. The dra- the lyrics aren't hilarious. They're just sincere and kind of quirky. So- well, I, well, anyway, what I'm getting at here is that I I think it's a matter of performers' honesty is is the only thing that I feel that's lacking here. See, I disagree. Is I don't think he goes far enough at times. See, I disagree because I think he's going just as far as he wants to go. I think he wants to do both. No, I don't think no, he no, no, But no, no, he's no, no, not no, no, no. consistent with it. He yeah. pulls back. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's back to a joke. And then he pulls back. I'm at a real song now. He goes... He is walking the line between the I'm a standard pop artist and uh, and I'm intending to make fun of pop. His levels of seriousness, seriousness versus satire. He doesn't always use the same... Like, but he'll, he'll the, put fact, in... the fact is there's times here... 
that he's simply pop and that's yeah. it and there's no joke right and he's making pop because <laughs> that's what he's good at and that's all it. that I want is pop. Gospel but, was just pop, but it wasn't I, a joke. But I like that. I'm saying you're you're saying that they're not mutually <clears throat> that they're they don't have to be mutually exclusive per se, and you're saying that it hurts it. I disagree. I'm blamely saying that I think he's both, and I think that it's done well that he does both. I don't think he has to be one or the other. In arc for this album, I will say it suffers because it's not one or I the other. I will agree, but I also think that I like that it's both. Let me just use the next track as an example. Not like the others was exactly like the others. Completely. If that's the joke, sure. Yeah. But but it, it's problematic at that point because... Big letdown after Hey Well, Yeah, such yeah. such a big letdown after that. I mean, if, if this is the case, he has a very interesting sense of humor that maybe only he will get. But I disagree because I get it. Is he making fun of the of the of album arc here? I think that's exactly what he's doing. He's towards it? the end and it says it's not like the others. His throwaways sound... are exactly like pop and then this track. Yes. You just spelled it out. I mean, it says it's not like the others. Yeah, I just helped your case. You're welcome. <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. Can I use the word meta? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, th- this is yeah. like an occasion to call for meta. Also, yes! Definitely. I love that I word. I think that, that, and I didn't even get it until you pointed out, you're right. Not like the others. It's exactly like the others. And that was the point. Even but though here, the... here's the problem, it wasn't good. Correct. I agree. I cannot rate this as a solid track because it was a joke. I have to rate this as a music. Well, track. Of course. It was bad. No, it, was, it wasn't bad. I think it, I no. thought this one was actually. I don't bad. think it was bad. There was think a couple was of songs okay. in here that. No, I that, disagree. This I don't is think... a two-star song. I'm trying to think what the name of that poet no. was. That all of a sudden he would just like say something incredibly deep, and then he just like repeats the same line over like five Nietzsche? times. No, he's a poet. Nietzsche's I know. not a poet. I know. Uh, well, that's gonna bother me. Anyway, it's like that. <laughs> it's like that. You know. But my point is, is that, and I think it's a very. I don't know if I want to say American, although I feel like it's mostly American. I feel like the idea of fitting everything neatly into one genre is very American. No, we don't well, do that anymore. Package. No, we come up. We don't fit things uh, into yeah, one genre. So well. We make up our own. But that's what I'm saying. So that's why? the thing. We're, we're a nation of 300 million people. We're kind of diverse. <laughs> okay, so then, but then you're right. If, if it doesn't fit neatly into a genre, we make a new one. I see no reason why Robbie Williams can't be pop satire. Of course not. It's just a bold move. It's surprising because... <laughs> I agree that it's a bold move, but again, I've said before many times, this is the best record he's released yet. And I think it's because he finally found his calling. There was a record he released, and I was telling Steve about this, and this is actually important and relevant. He, his la- the last album that I bought by him was called Intensive Care. 90% of the music on it, there was no joke. The lyrics were sincere. It was very kind of s- slower-paced, ballady. And there was no joke. Whereas his earlier albums were, some were jokier than others, some weren't very jokey. I think he finally found a balance. All right, all right. I'll, I'll save my final comments here till the end. So let's uh, let's tackle the last track. Okay. Losers. Country pop. Losers. Yes, it's, it, every, it is country pop. This was the one Your pop we were mixing. I'm uh, missing. Yep. The, the, and he put it in there at the end. Perfect place to do it too, because it's this acoustic. is uh, even even albums that are not country pop have now chosen to end their their albums with a country or folk, you know, country pop song. Something that is warm, but acoustic guitar, ooh, a female vocal, and that's been done a lot. 
you know, include but, the featured female vocalist at the end. But the reason it makes a great conclusion track also is because it's an acoustic retrospective of his career. The lyrics are so tongue-in-cheek about, we want to be winners. We don't want to be losers. We don't want to be losers because we want to be winners. I mean, that's essentially the gist of the song. To the point where That's I essentially think, the gist of the entire lyrical thing, which actually worked. The lyrics were very, very repetitive, but they were always sung differently. And it was those inflections was that actually captured some some, some comedy in it. And it was mm. also something that you don't hear a lot on pop records is the, the male and female vocalist were singing together the All entire the time. time. It, it wasn't was, any back and forth. And I liked that. It was a pure harmony. It w- but it added to that feeling of no one wants to be a loser. We want to be winners. We both want to sing at the same time. We're not giving way to the other one. We want to keep singing at the same time. That was the joke. Hmm. And it and I thought it was a great conclusion to this record. I thought oh, it was I a great, it. great. Yeah, great no, I, it, I still found it to be a, not a very good song overall, but I yeah, enjoyed no, the I lyrics a lot. I did enjoy, enjoy the song. Yeah, this was a take it or leave it song for me. Um, all of a sudden done. This was a this was just a weird album because it was a, really out of left field. I will say that I did not expect anything like this on this album because we can't call it pop. We can't call it pure pop. No, 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 we can't. But at the same time, we can call it pure pop because there were so many pure elements of pop in here. Yeah, there were. Yeah, there were. Which is what makes rating this very hard. Some of these songs... It's a, matter, it's a, it's a leap of faith is what it takes. You have to believe that he is the, um, the brilliant satirical artist that he is. Yes, and I agree that a leap of faith is involved, but however... I was the only one of the three of us who went into this having expectation, and even my expectation was completely different from what came up. He surpassed it. But you guys went along with it. My expectations were really low. Okay, I'll be honest, because just that video, I was so polarized to it. Yeah, I didn't have terribly high expectations. I did not expect the cleverness that was present. That's what I didn't expect. Even though you did say several times, even when watching the video, that you really liked Candy when you had only that had been all you had known of him. You said it was a very good, solid pop song. It was because even for even for uh, that that's the most creative pop track. The ones that I said were on the lower part of the spectrum here. Were not pop. Were they, were they, pop they, or, they were tried and true. Yeah, but there was something unique about Candy. Yes, I felt. I agree. Uh, that was most likely the uh, very tongue-in-cheek lyrics, coupled with those horns and violins. And, oh yeah. Yeah. In great combinations. But it's the he's the crossover artist, the the, the elusive Im- crossover artist we don't have much of. The rest of the album, it's like he took one aspect, like in gospel, he had those the really savvy lyrics, but the song itself is just very plotting. Be a boy, thoroughly predictable of a song, but had that dash of weird bass and that that little bit of saxophone. Mm. He never really hit. He, he didn't hit all the high notes, except in a few tracks. Candy, Shit on the Radio, and Hey Wow Yeah Yeah. Amazing. I would amazing add, I would pieces. add different, personally. Okay. I, well, will, add, I will add different because Steve said so. Okay. <laughs> um, I it, imagine you're working your way to your rap. Yeah, I am. Okay. Like, it was great, but all that I want. Gospel. Be a boy. Hunting for you. The first half of Into Silence, not like the others. Two to three star ratings. I mean, that's all they really would get. They're very tried and true. There was 
one or two elements that differentiated them, but there was so much of pop in there and the pop repetitive nature that it, it dragged down those elements instead of the elements lifting up the song. So you, it's, psst, so you, psst, psst, it's you too. You're yes. hearing you too. That's exactly but, what I'm But hearing. my question is, and, and I'll let you And I'm hearing Freight, and I'm but, hearing but my, uh, so yeah, many, uh, so many other my people. My question before you finish wrapping up is, so you're saying that the, the generic pop tracks like 6, 7, and 8 are on par with No Doubt and... No, let me get to it. Let me okay. get to it. Okay, I'm just trying the, to... the generic pop tracks. Like even some of them, I wouldn't even put on par with a lot of what we listen to. No doubt. Okay. I will say that some of it is lower, like because of how borrowed it feels. How Steve could sing along with it the first time. That's kind mm. of that's weird. That's bad. <laughs> that's not a as I said indication. earlier. I have this little thing with chords. When I hear a chord progression, even just something that hints in, like like a segment of a chord progression that is found in other places, I, I my brain instantly goes back to all the places that I've heard it. It's just a, a, a high sensitivity for uh, repetition, and callbacks, and then again I have to say that maybe it was the point with him hunting for you and into silence. I felt like. I heard him a thousand times, and I was forcing myself not to tune out. But there is a solidity here in his joke, in his satire. And I like intelligence. I like smarts in a song. So I'm going to give this... I'm bouncing back and forth between a 3.5 and a 4. And I'm going to go 4. This is a 4-star album. There's an intelligence there that you just don't hear in pop. Um, I think that that's a respectable roundup for how you felt about it. And, and I agree on a lot of points. I think that Robbie Williams has taken an art that he's been cultivating over his last three or four albums and finally found where it fit right for him. Because I think as a writer, because I know he works, he works very closely with his producer, um, uh, Jack Knife Lee, to pick the proper arrangement, but he still does a lot of writing. And I think he's finally perfected, well, I have ideas for these generic pop songs. I'm going to write them. But I'm going to do it on my terms. And I'm also going to write other things to pair them with. And I think in this album he found the true balance of a little bit above standard pop and a little bit above standard pop that he can have fun with. And I think that's the defining difference between the two types of songs. Is one that he just kind of made and accepted that he has a talent to sing and say these songs and, and play these instruments, and he did it. And then there were other songs where he decided, well, if I'm going to do crappy pop music, I'm going to do it on my terms, and I'm going to do it still better than the crappy pop music. And he did that. Um, as far as his discography goes, he he's done songs that I've liked in the past that I think are on par with this record, but as a record as a whole... This blows all of the rest of his work out of the water. And it could be the influence of Jackknife Lee, because it's the only record that, of Robbie's that he's produced. And he's a very well-known producer who's worked with U2, R.E.M., Weezer, Taylor Swift, The Wombats, just to name a few. And that some of that talent definitely shows here, especially in the breakdown of the album, which the producer has a huge effect on mixing and placement. It's clear here that this album was arranged perfectly for what he had. I think that the arrangement of the album and the songs was definitely perfect. With that, and with the way I feel about this combination of music, I think that's where the arc lies, if there is any. I feel there's an arc in how he presents this mix of pop, 
versus the joke of pop. And that's where I found my arc. Whether it's solid enough or not, that's, I think, debatable. But for me, I think I, I agree with John. It's a four. I want to give it a four five, but it, it's just it. There's not that next step. I agree that six, seven, and half of eight do drag it down for me from a four five. I think that it could it could have achieved four five or five if the satire, if the satire was a bit more consistent. But the way he arranged it, I still think that as a composition for the production of the record, perfect for what he had, what he wrote, and what they had to work with. So four from me. Right. I'll take the leap of faith. 4.25. Hmm. Okay. I think... I think it is a joke. I really do think it is a joke. And on consideration, I think that it, the placement of the tracks are the biggest part of the joke. Because when it gets right when it gets right down to it, there is not a choice that he made in this album that necessarily strays from the joke, even when you think that he is. Because just walk through the arc here. Standard intro track with one little different thing that's supposed to make it unique. <clears throat> Sax. Um second track, soundbite. Used, borrowed, 50 billion times by every pop artist in the book. Used here, working in his arrangement around it. Candy, signature single, third track. Pfft, how many times how do we get that in the third track? Track four, something different. Called Track different. title. <laughs> track five, the first half of the joke defined as a movement. Shit on the radio. We get it here. This is the album summed up into one song, if it could be. Track six, seven, eight. What did I say before? Where every single album takes the downturn. The forgettable tracks. Track nine, the second part of the big joke. This is the hey, wow, yeah, yeah. This is fun. The band fun, I mean. Chanting. Endlessly. You're just supposed to say, wow, this is so cool. It just speaks to our generation and all that crap. Yay, ecstasy. Track 10, not like the others, need I say more, and track 11, the signature acoustic solo. The only reason it's as low as 4.25 is because... You didn't like some of the songs. I didn't like some of the songs. <laughs> you know what? I, I think because we're still wrapping up... If he was humor, this would be a 5. For the most intelligent humor album. I'm book. going to amend my review because honestly, until Steve broke it down, I really didn't... There's an arc. You can't deny there's an arc because yeah. of how meticulously it was put together. And that bumps it up to a 4.5 for me. 4.5. Because I was ignoring the fact that there was an arc, but it's clearly here. It really is. He suggested it, so he has to be higher than me. It feels weird now. No, <laughs> no. he's allowed to amend. I've done that before. That's true. And, um, and as long as it's done in the podcast, you know what? You can and you know you I'm can keep in mine at a four because yeah. honestly, I still didn't like enough of the songs, which and I, I won't go fractional. But like I did. Steve will. 
That's a th I'm, I am taking a leap of faith here. If, I mean, it, this could be hurt, you know, depending upon, like, his later discography. If he... I'd be very disappointed if it he would, goes back to regular what pop. Would be, what would be really ironic is if we find an interview with him going, No, oh, this is a very serious album. I've poured my heart and my soul into it. But, and we'll just be like, wow, I wonder if he's serious. And, like, years later, it's like, he's serious. Yeah. He, he doesn't but that wouldn't happen. Likely, know, he would, would do that interview seriously like that for the sake of being serious. Yes, to it be would contrary. be completely tongue in cheek. But no, seriously, I think Steve makes a good point, and it does make me want to amend because I am basically taking the leap of faith that he's the Andy Warhol of music. This is the leap of faith that I'm taking, and that's a strong, strong thing. So wow. everybody, just, just, just cool your jets here because yeah. you're not going to hear this from me too many times. I, I think that I think that I agree, and and I appreciate the leap of faith, and I think that. You're accurate. I do. I think that it, it really is. It's 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 creativity versus cleverness. It's it's this intelligence that clearly is layered through this album on so many meta levels between the breakdown of the record, the track names. I mean, it's like a Harvard joke, is what it is. Exactly. It's the kind of joke that you're not gonna laugh out loud only because you're just <laughs> yes, not indeed. sure yeah. about it. Like, I think I get it. I hope I get it. I don't wanna like. I'm not sure if I get it or and, not. And this brings us them. to our topic of the day. I came up with this while uh, drinking. <laughs> That's a great way to start it off. <laughs> I, I do. I told you. I, I told this to Steve before. I do my best work in the fuzzy. That's where I thrive. And fuzzy is great. And we use the fuzzy term line. work with finger quotes. There's a fuzzy line between an intelligent piece of music and a creative piece of music. Now, this album really straddles that line. There's not a whole lot of creativity in the actual musical notes. Agreed. But there's a creativity in its composition. In the arrangement of the tracks, in the arrangement of the music in the tracks. And we're going to call now that, that intelligence. The ability to actually create something solidly. To, to think it through and know A to B to C to D. To know your progression. That's the thing. This is not so much about the music. If I was actually to pinpoint, and this is why this is a rare rating for me, is because if I was actually to pinpoint you know, musical aspects that I thoroughly enjoyed, it'd be a little slim. The, like, one of the few elements is that string stuff. That's one of the moments where I was like, oh, great stuff. Great music right there. And that the was creative. In, right? The rest of it is more like like drops in a bucket. Like, uh, sax, uh, uh, flute, uh. Like, you know, some of it was developed to an extent, but not really that much. It's not about the music here. It's really about the intelligence behind it. It's about his point. Yeah. He had a point. So the it's, intelligence supersedes the music in it, many ways. It's not like in previous records where we weren't sure if it was a joke or if it were a joke, it was lost on us. This is very clearly heavily thought through. It's not we think he was thinking about this at every step. I mean, even we well, I, I did have to wonder at a few points. I mean, it took us a while to get to this conclusion. But we got to that point, And even I mentioned earlier, Take the Crown is the title. We've mentioned U2 and Bono several times. Robbie Williams... Would have no problem taking jazz. So we didn't Bono. really talk about the title, actually. But take should the mention crown, that taking the crown of the ruler, you know, of the queen, or taking the crown of the self-proclaimed king, you know, no, kings taking, or queens taking of pop. The, taking the crown, and this is how to do it. Yeah, he, he outlines us how to do that. Winning. This yeah. is this is is a step by step on how to win, with the last track being called "Losers." Yeah, it's it, and and that's why I like this topic for today. There's a lot of bands out there that are not smart. 
but they're very creative. They they just don't really get their music. They're just good enough in making it that they muddle their ways through. One band I love, and I know Matt's probably gonna hit me for this. Blink. Blink was never a very intelligent in composition. They were just always creatively fun. Yes, until Neighborhoods. I have not heard that. The newest album? Yes, I you have. have. No, 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 no. I have not heard that one. I didn't get it from you. Oh, I thought I gave it to you. But they never really had a, a solid understanding of their production, it seemed like, for Correct. the longest time. But they were always a loved band because of how much fun and how, how much juice they put into their instruments. And that's that spark of creativity that a lot of individuals don't seem to have in the music industry. <clears throat> Pop. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle. Um, like a Mack truck. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it's something, I don't know. You look at a lot of, it, we'll say, and it always comes back down to them, the Beatles. Ah. They didn't start off very creative. Nope. They no. started off very smart, covering a lot of popular stuff. They started off yeah. using their... The way to the top, kind yes. of. Yeah. They used their voices. They used their publicity to make themselves popular. They didn't actually use their music the same way that their later music was. Their later music was experimental. And honestly, at parts of it, very poorly produced. Very... Um, I would not say that. Some of their well, music... Yeah. The earlier stuff? No, no, no. Some of their later There's, stuff. He's saying later stuff, which um, I'm... Not... Mm. If you're just saying, like, the individual... If you're just taking a track here and there... Yeah. Some okay. of it was. Yeah, because okay. the vast, the vast, the vast majority, of, majority it. of it was the most excellently produced stuff of its time. Yes. So I can't but there even were a couple really of say that statement. Like, but I can't nitpick in that situation. There was a couple of parts, and I'm really blanking on songs to point to, that were just... I have to go, what were they thinking? Well, that's when their creativity went went above and beyond. That's when yeah, the creativity superseded the intelligence. Yes. It's a matter of like, uh, we don't really care at this point. We have a lot of money. I actually have something <laughs> to... I, I have something that speaks to this topic that's fairly recent. Um, has I, I know John did see at least parts of it, if not all of it, but I don't know if Steve did, the halftime show this year from the Super Bowl. Yes. So, Beyonce was the... No. Beyonce was... <laughs> yes, you, sh me. you should go back and watch it. Cause, so, Beyonce... I'm a heathen, I guess. I'm not a huge Beyonce fan. She doesn't make terrible music. She's actually a very successful entrepreneur of our time. Definitely one of the m more current incarnations of the Madonna-esque musician entrepreneur. But the halftime show this year was one of the more entertaining halftime shows in a while. The reason was because Beyonce clearly knows her audience. And instead of focusing on the songs, which were already her standard pop fare... She focused on this fantastic stage show with great choreography, fun lights, with a great stage. With the rest stage. of Destiny. And she even surprised everyone with the rest of Destiny's child. It wasn't a surprise. Time. Everybody knew it was coming. But what, they, what she did but was... But it was a good mix of intelligence and creativity. She used her intelligence uh, for... I'll say it's even more solidly intelligence because she's also kicking off a tour. Yeah. And this was a great opening for that tour. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great way to showcase, hey, fans, guess who's back? It's me, blah, 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 but blah. Still... But she set herself up to just be ready. She's getting sold out shows, stuff like that. You know it's going to happen. Some people are really, really smart with this. And this is actually a little, I want to bring up a little spur of this topic here because I think it's very, 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 very relevant. I would make the claim that music of, the, of the, our primary art forms 
I think music is one of the easiest to standardize. Think about it. Writing takes a lot of work. Even if you're a really crappy writer, you still have to sit down and write like a whole entire novel and write probably more than that before you actually make a name for yourself and be able to sell yourself to a publisher. Um, art is a little bit on the fence because art has been... People can churn out art or crap. People sneezing on a canvas But the thing is, it. it can turn on you in a dime. Because then you can do your next piece of work and people are probably not inclined to be like, oh, no, no, he, he he's... He's renowned for his previous work. They can say, well, now what was that? <laughs> what, that? what was I that? Will, you just I will did. expand one thing. There are specific types of art, of, of visual art, that can be done mathematically. Like flower pots? No, no, no. I mean, from earlier... I'm not earlier, talking about stuff you can do, like... I'm in... not saying impressionistic, but there are a couple of genres that can be broken down. Portraits? Yes. I mean... These are ways to make a living, I guess, but yeah. this is not a way to make it famous. A lot of people don't know these guys. Anyway, continuing on your point, because I'm sure there were other examples you were bringing up. You were making your way to a point. Well, these are the big three, music, okay. writing, and music, music, writing, and visual art. But okay. going back to music here, I mean, music, I think, if you know the axis of awesome chords, and if you know some basic, basic rules of how to slap together lyrics just if you know your rhymes kind of well if you know rhymes that work really really mm -hmm. that are tried and true and you have to know homonyms true the homonyms help uh it, it's it's just the kind of thing i think you can actually uh sell like it's in a box it's 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 there it's in front of your face I'm... all you need to do is tap into it some of it, it actually is just intelligence in learning how to tap into those pre-existing motions. It's not creativity, it's intelligence. I have made that point on numerous occasions by explaining how math and music go together. Matt, you can, you can define music. You can use also, formulas. Also, you just have to have a semblance <laughs> of, of history knowledge. I mean, if you know what has succeeded in the past, you have a pretty good idea of what's going to succeed in the future. Humanity doesn't well, change that how, quickly. That's how, and I'm never going to remember his name, but the famous record producer who did who did the Backstreet Boys' 98 Degrees and Sync, he broke it down to the bass level, hired people to write these songs, and then it was all marketing after that because the music part was in a box already. Yeah. And, the music part is easy. And if the beginning see, of those boy bands, when the boy bands... You get three-part, four-part right. harmony, you're set, you're done. They right. have to be able to read... After that, it's the face. Right. And that's but the whole idea behind bands, that brand of pop some music. Some of those bands have, you know, obviously fallen out. Whereas very recently, New Kids on the Block, I think it was last year, two years ago, came out with a new record. They got back together. And I heard songs from that record. It, it wasn't terribly different from their old stuff, but there was an intelligence behind it now because they're the ones writing it that wasn't there when they were teen heartthrobs. And you could hear the difference. But it was in creativity. It was intelligence. It's the kind of intelligence that you almost resent. Yeah, because that brings in the the third uh, the third big factor here, and that's uh, willpower. Is that is that what you want? You know, you can if you use your your brain and 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 tap into all the cliches in the book and and consolidate them into a package that is presentable that works with uh, with your own individuality. All right, fine, that's brilliant. But what if you contributed? Yeah. In the grand scheme of things. See, but I have a I have a great example of creativity that has contributed, but that I'm not necessarily always a fan of, but it's definitely born of pure creativity. 
Dave Matthews Band. When they do oh, their jam sure. sessions, it's purely create. It, it, there's an intelligence to a point, but he's mostly creativity. It's mostly him going for it and just seeing it where it takes him. That's the idea behind a lot of jam bands. Is that yeah. they, that's the equivalent of stream of consciousness, the kind of thing that no one would sell. Going back to writing, you know, no one would sell their stream of consciousness. Uh, Some uh, all right, uh, fine. I know what you guys. Say. Some people do. But it's not necessarily something that's the worth. You know, one of the, it's not on the front. It's not in the window. That's my point. Actually, no. James Joyce. Oh god. James Joyce is a great man when it comes to creativity. He dumb as bricks when he was writing his books. Because honestly, <laughs> if he you tell me you the jam band of writing. Ulysses, the last like thirty pages is a single sentence sentence stream of thought. That is grammatically correct, and that was the kicker about but the whole. You're also darn talking thing. about an aspect here. I mean, it's used he in did, doses. No, but he used that on the sort whole, of though, creativity. I could was, I could also add for Kurt Vonnegut to that. Yes, he oh, used that yes. a lot. I I am I'm, I'm aware about, of the. You of, write thirty pages of a without without creating a single grammatical error in one sentence. Um, all right. <laughs> Amazing you know what? work. Honestly, unreadable. Completely unreadable. <laughs> I've tried. Ulysses is one of the most unreadable books, but it's such a creative All masterpiece. Right. You're waking up my, my inner English major here, because now I am thinking of a whole bunch of other examples. Allen Ginsberg, Walt Whitman. And, I, and I, have, I, have, yeah. I have... I am quite a fan of some of those people. So, you know what? I'm going to take that back. Maybe I was overstep my bounds a little bit. It, it can be done with writing, as it can be done with... Uh, with uh, art, as yes. with Andy Warhol and everything, it you can just tap into your uh, your purely creative side, I f- but it, it's really it's really tricky as to where the line is before that becomes famous. It's kind of a ebb and flow of, of time and society. They have to believe it. How do you make them? I think I have a good point to kind of bring us back to music. Of who, what band has very well merged creativity with intelligence? The Gorillas. Nope. Why not? I'm being contrary. Oh. It's an excellent point. Cre- uh, the Gorillas, while not everything they do is super inventive, they're always fun and they're always trying something different. There's always an intelligence behind the lyrics and the way the 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 the, the beats are constructed, but there's definitely creativity on there's how. A me- there's a method. There's a very intelligent method. Just in keep that. talking. I need to stew and over this the, a bit. <laughs> and they're an animated band. They hired a, a, a well-known cartoonist to create this band. This. I'm I'm gonna discredit that point. What? I think that's more of a smart marketing skill for the band itself, as opposed to something. Okay, new. so then that's intelligent. But creativity, their, their lyrics are really quite inventive. I've, I've always enjoyed it, and I can rap half their songs. Even <laughs> even though it wasn't their best work by far, creatively, the album they released that was mostly instrumental that um, Damon did on his iPad alone. Even though the songs weren't very memorable and they weren't great songs. The idea of being able to create, at least at that space level, a record only on the iPad. Using w- standard tools. Which is incredibly creative. And you know what? Mm. I, I really did not like Plastic Beach. I love Plastic Beach. 
And I have to say, it's because it was a completely different thing than I was expecting. That's true. And it was very inventive. Yes. And had a lot of solidity to it. I just didn't care for it. I have not heard Plastic Beach can't speak to it, but let's talk about... If we're going to talk about it with intelligence versus creativity and how where it gets you as a band, let's talk about their most popular album, Demon Days. Yes. Yeah. Your, your, your contention is that... Demon Days is both intelligent and creative. Yes. More intelligent Cause, cause than I'm, creative. I'm leaning, uh, I was leaning to the opposite. More toward creative than intelligent, to be honest. Okay. The, the way they splice together things, their, their use of sound bites, I thought, was, was kind of edgy. I'm not thinking of Demon Days. Uh, you're thinking of the first album? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. F- the, pfft, that was even more splotchy, though. Okay. There, there's a splotchiness to gorillas that I almost think is a little bit ununiformed. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I love gorillas. Well, but they're always trying something it. new. I like, I like the creative side. I'm normally more fan I of the creative side. I think than... that the, the best example of intelligence and creativity at the same time is, is either Field Good Inc. or Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah, no. And Clint my re- Eastwood. And mm. my reason for why with Clint Eastwood that it's both is because there's a creativity in the singing, the harmonies... The beats. I love the rap. But there's an intelligence the in the rap. The rap is not. Let me the rap is not. For me. The rap is not just a rap. It's the lyrics are careful, carefully and toes, it carefully chosen and, and intelligently arranged. Yeah. And then there's also the matter that we're speaking. The the type of intelligence that we're talking about is placement. There's no shortage of of tracks by any artist that gain popularity due to that courtesy rap solo at the end. Yeah. Um, and it did it. Uh, actually, this is probably around the time when it was getting popular, so this may have actually... They may not have been copying at this point. They may have been one of the progenitors of this. Also, a point to make, also, when we were... Remember we were talking about um, um, how music videos... This is kind of a little off-topic. Music videos should be an accompaniment to the song after you've heard it already? Yes. I, I remember that. That was the, earlier. The gorillas <laughs> are the exception that prove the rule. Feel good? Uh, not feel good. Eh? Clint Eastwood. I would have never liked. I think as much if I just when heard the song. If I hadn't seen the video first, the video. Uh, I will refute. I heard. I have actually already heard their song. I didn't I, have MTV when when uh, they were getting popular. I had basic television. I'm, I'm I was already into. Not them. much of a music video person, and I don't say that. I, I'm not. I'm just saying it's, it doesn't come. It doesn't happen very much for me. I don't see it first. Um, because I try to avoid it until I, did, I hear the but music. But see, I grew up, because I'm a little bit older than you guys, I pretty much was hitting the age when I was discovering music yeah, MTV was where good. MTV was good. And I'm a little and, jealous for that. <laughs> and, and, Clint, and Gorillas were on the tail end of when MTV was still good. And I remember being at my girlfriend at the time's house. She was putting her sister to bed, and we were just hanging out. And I turned on MTV to just watch it, and I see this animated video and these beats, and I'm like... What is this? See, I got into them before the videos. Okay, though. but I'm. Let me finish. My point is, with me, I felt like the gorillas specifically lent very well to a visual medium, and that the 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 video helped me to like the band because it was different and it caught my attention. I guess that's a good example of creative and intelligent because uh, they used music videos very very well because yes. they had a style, they had an animation style that went with them, and that's very rare. You don't see that too much with a band where they actually merged the visual. Well, uh, because they spent time on actually doing the visual work. Right. right. They had uh, sort of the themes around. Another version of this is Death Clock, the band from Medical Apocalypse. Which actually, yes, that's a great example they as well. It's a more modern that. example of it. 
Um, and I know Matt's a huge Death Clock fan. I do enjoy them. They yes. put on a great live show. But honestly, I don't. I can't stand their music, and I love the cartoon though. The cartoon is great. But but I think the Gorillas are definitely like my first example of the band that really Merge merges both. both. That proves that they're not mutually exclusive, although sometimes they seem that way. And I will say, okay, I'm going to throw it out there. Take it or leave it. Daft Punk. Are both? Very methodical about their beats, but I, really love I to fool around. I could agree with that, too. I think Daft Punk is... Very creative in take, how take, they compose. Well, take a look at One More Time, which is a very uh, standard creative pop track, whereas the entire Tron Legacy soundtrack is definitely... There's an intelligence behind... The arrangement of that soundtrack. I'm like lost in thought right now, right now, because some of these uh, examples that you're pulling out there, it, it it's hard to, it's hard to hone it down because some of them, they are popular. They yeah. we already know that they're popular. Sure. So isn't that almost a dead giveaway as to the merge of the two? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. There's plenty of popular that is not Popu- both. Yeah. It's. Actually, I, I hate to say it, but it seems like intelligence seems to beat out creativity a little bit too often in popularity. good example is actually the reviews going on later this week. Yeah, yeah that's true, Dropkick Murphys have not changed in eight studio albums. Still hugely popular because they know exactly what their fans want. They make the same music over and over and over again. And you know what? It's great music. For and what it hell, is... why not? Let's go back to Green Day. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no. Terrible ex- example. Because now. Green Day changed and then changed back. Yeah. They did stupid. Yeah, that's true. As my mom would say. You don't say. do that. <laughs> no, but Dropkick. Or uh, Offspring. Yeah. Very, they gave the fans exactly what they wanted. They played safe. But, you know what? Dropkick got great reviews and is doing very well. Because, because they kept exactly out to want. exactly what their but, fans wanted. But, it was very smart. But Flogging Molly was the same way. And that's another example. But but I loved their new record because it was more of the same. But because even though it was more of the same, they had a variety within that same. They had a diversity within the same. All right, well, it came up earlier. Might as well throw it out there. The Decemberists. I personally think they're one of the most creative bands out right now. Not because me. of their style is so distinctive. I mean, no one else is doing what they're doing at the yeah, moment. But at the same time, they're not hitting the same levels as others. As far as sales and popularity are going. What are you comparing them to exactly, though? Uh, everyone. I mean, you can't compare them to country. Country always outsells everything else. And pop always outsells okay, everything else. I would never compare them to country in that regard. But as far as sales in the alternative, have... the rock, the everything else... I disagree. I think you're giving them a little bit... Uh, not enough credit. I think they're vastly more popular than you think they are, at least lately. I think maybe I have, I'm not uh, after I'm hazards not of. Love. I have other examples of the merge of two, and one of them how it didn't come up before. Uh, well, first, just pure creativity. Corn, corn. There wasn't always an intelligence behind everything that they put together, but their sound was unique from anything else. They were very creative in the way they played guitar. They played it very differently. I'm, I'm not sure they that ever. Necessarily. With I'm, Korn, I'm you're just judging it on the one album. I am not I'm, judging it on the one album. What, you talking about Path of Totality that we did just this year? I know old Korn, like 90s Korn. Okay. I don't think it was that original. Okay, well, Path of Totality, creative album, not very well designed. Uh, yeah, very flat. But um, but a merge of two, System of a Down. System of a Down was always very creative and very intelligent in certain songs with their lyrics. Not even no, it wasn't certain songs. Every song had Every very song. smart lyrics. Yeah, but you okay. don't want to look too deep. I think we're losing sight. 
I know we're running a little yeah. low on time right here, but I think we're losing sight of your definition of intelligent. Because we started by saying, by defining intelligent as That's clever, as uh, almost knowledge almost of the music, sly. Yeah. knowledge of the of the companies, <laughs> knowledge of uh, statistics. I'll say knowledge intelligence. Of the public. For me, when I use the word intelligence, I want to I want to really break it down to knowledge of what you're doing and how you're making your music, how you're actually putting it together. See, now that's the that's the other side, and I think we're confusing those two sides mm. because if we we're just talking about that, then the line between intelligence and creativity is is, is much more uh, difficult, much more cagey. But there but is. But I still think that okay. Well, and then I would retract and take a couple steps back. But I think Gorilla still applies to that version. Production for having both high levels of production show clearer signs of intelligence than they do of creativity. If you have a greatly a great pacing in your music, per, as high levels of production show intelligence. Intelligence, but ah. Uh, because you can have great pacing. The, by the nice... first definition or the latter definition? I say the first definition. In other words. That implies that they know how to cheat the system. No, I will say... If you know all the production techniques, you can cheat your way to fame. I'm saying if you know how to... Well, you may not come up with anything new. If you know how to put chords together... Yeah. ...in, in an intelligent fashion, you will make music that's popular. <laughs> no creativity actually involved. Just knowing how to make mathematically music. No, but then you got to take into all the other all the other factors into consideration. If you just know how to put the axis of awesome chords together, you're not intelligent. You just know how to yeah, read a lead sheet. No, that is intelligence. That is intelligence because you have an awareness of the music itself. By our first demo, we're going to call this definition A of intelligence. Because we started this early. Yeah, I think, I think, I see Steve's point. I think there's, because if you're taking advantage of something that's stupid, that makes you smart. I mean, I'm... That I, is, that's I'm, my point. I'm being very layman about it, but I mean... No, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I just, I don't think that that's the case. That's why I still stand by my gorillas example, because I feel like they, they were intelligent about their marketing, but they that's were creative saying. in their music. We've been talking about this for 20 minutes, and it's been it's, it's been a little difficult for me because I, I feel that our definition of intelligence it's is kind of skewed. It is shifting. I agree. It, that is, it is taking advantage of the system, in which case that's not really intelligence at all. That's, uh, that's cleverness, Pandering. cheekiness. Well, but just to, to say the same, though, I mean, going back to our Str album... Str Strategery. <laughs> yeah, you're being strategic about it, which isn't necessarily intelligence, but it is. Having strategy is a form of intelligence. These aren't for people that necessarily, you know, want to contribute uh, their own individuality to society. If if they do, that's a that's a that goes with it. Yeah, that, but that's I just feel that's like... there in the background. But these are people that want to become famous. But I feel like individuality can be more closely associated with creativity than intelligence sometimes too. Because the freer spirits who are being creative for the sake of True. being well, creative that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the, will the, set them apart sometimes. Right. The individual, when it comes to that form of intelligence, intelligence A, then it's a matter of uh, the creativity is, is background stuff. That's it. Okay. Well, we're running Second really late. We're running, we're running really, really late. So, okay. We're going to table this for a future discussion. We will table this for a future discussion. I agree. I think that um, that it's definitely... 
It's definitely an interesting topic, and I think that we can get into a lot more of it. I really wish I had brought that up so much earlier, yeah. but it took me a while to like curb you guys back yeah, when you're just shouting out band names, and I don't know. It's but uh, weird. before we get to uh, next week... Um, Looks you, like I'm labeling this topic as part one. Yes. Do you have um, an email for us this week? Fan mail, yes, fan mail, I fan do. mail. Or not so fan mail. <clears throat> This quite helpful for individuals who pass up out the episode. You can also replay any episodes on the past True Blood, so it' great to brush up your thoughts. View accurate True Blood season three, episode twelve, streaming absolutely free. By Jordan Three Fire Red <laughs> Shoes. <laughs> very well, confusing. Mi- very confusing okay. as to what he's pitching right now, Mister Shoes. <laughs> Thank you for your input, and we will be ignoring that because I've died on like True Blood, and we will not be streaming episodes, whatever, on True Blood. But you could have let him down easy. I am letting him down easy. I didn't curse. (laughs) This is easy. This is easy. There's no cursing. Yeah, there was no cursing. That's true. No cursing, no insults. True. We're not chasing after you. So, goodbye. (laughs) Anyway, next week's album is my choice. We're doing Abandoned Pools, Sublime Currency. Came it's, out last year. Yeah, it came out last year. It's been a very long time since Abandoned Pools had an album. Last record was in 2005. Yes, and I'm really excited because these were one of the guys that I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's great, and I like them by myself. Nobody introduced this band to me, so it's going to be weird for me to just find a band and get back to it. Hmm. Interesting. And, and as always, email us, contact us, yell at us, scream at us, donate, donate. to us, yes, and please. insult us, as everybody else seems to do. Um, oh, I want to. Th- I want to give a shout friends. out. Tell your friends. I want to give a shout out us. and a thank you to Future Money who commented on one of our previous episodes, uh, thanking us for the praise of the raw track. You mean a lot, right? Yes, I think that's a lot. Gangsta. Just don't um, say his name. Jeez. <laughs> They've been working on keeping them to download. But thank you for putting us up on the website. We appreciate it. And um, Oh, also, guys, please, we're on iTunes. Give us a review. Helps us get featured so we can actually like get more awareness. So please, write yeah. a review. <laughs> Even if you hate us. I mean, at least then I'll know you're out there. And we we would have made it when someone we've bad-mouthed on the show bad-mouths us back. Whatever you say, we'll just say, at least you're not spam. That's <laughs> true. So. And on that note, John, would you like to wrap it up for us? Music is life, and life is good. <laughs>